This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Rose Skeeters, host of From Borderline to Beautiful, a show about hope and recovery for BPD. Hello and welcome to another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. A few seasons ago I did an episode on emotion regulation Um, and today I just wanted to follow that up with talking about some emotion regulation skills that you may be familiar with if you've done some DBT or if you have a workbook. I wanted to try to explain it to you in a way that would be um, practical and applicable to your recovery journey. So I want you to know that the first step in regulating emotions is groan, learning to identify and label your emotions. Why do I say groan? Well, maybe this is just my point of view, but when I was going through recovery, the idea of looking at an emotion chart and learning to identify and label my emotions seemed incredibly overwhelming. And I think that that's because, you know, in order to identify our emotions, it requires us to have the ability not only to observe our own responses, but also to describe these responses accurately in the context in which the emotion occurs. So that is why you really want to get comfortable with honest self-reflection and with mindfulness. Because if you have honest self-reflection and you're able to be mindfully aware you can then look at learning to identify and label current emotions. Think of it as slowing yourself down enough to be ready, willing, and able to determine what you are actually feeling. Right? So if you can master your emotions to find that balance between rational mind and emotion mind to get to wise mind or to get to truth, like I talked about in a previous episode, you have to be willing to take this leap. Remember that when you have developmental trauma, which contributes to the development of some of these emotion regulation issues, in addition to having a difficult temperament, you have to almost walk the path back to purity, to when you were little, to when emotions weren't as complicated because you didn't have so many life experiences. So if this seems really overwhelming to you, I want you to go ahead and find yourself an emotion chart that looks like it. you can handle it, that's not overwhelming to you, and just start by tape, printing it out, printing it out and taping it up around your house. Go to it when you're feeling intense after you've used the skill to change your physical state to bring that intensity down and try to figure out what exactly is going on. What are you really feeling? Now, I want you to take some notes if you're a note taker. So one of the things that I teach people is that you often have a primary emotion. A primary emotion is the initial emotional reaction that occurs in a situation. So I'll say that again. We often have primary emotions. 
Primary emotions are an individual's initial emotional response. When we have a primary emotion and we are able to regulate your emotions, we can then engage in solution-focused thinking. And once we engage in a solution-focused thought, we can have a positive behavior or an action step, and that usually leads to a positive outcome. But unfortunately, a lot of the distress that we experience doesn't come from our primary emotions. It comes actually from our secondary emotions. Secondary emotions produce problem-focused thinking, negative behaviors, and you guessed it, negative outcomes. So what we want to do is figure out how to stay in that primary emotive state, right? So unfortunately, one of the theories, at least, behind the, um, I guess, intensity of somebody who has a diagnosis of borderline personality disorder and their emotional distress is because of this secondary emotional response, because it's often intense shame, anxiety, or rage, And the primary emotions are the ones that are adaptive and appropriate to the situation that we're in. But the secondary emotions often act like a wet blanket to smother the primary emotional response. And it brings in a history of all of the painful things that we've been through. Right? And so the goal is to learn to identify your emotions, label your emotions right? Change your physical state to bring down the intensity of the emotions. Increase the opportunities that you have to have positive, positive emotional events. And then begin to pull apart the secondary emotional reactions of intense shame, anxiety, or rage from the primary emotional state, right? So let me give you a concrete example of this. Unfortunately, when somebody with borderline personality disorder or complex post-traumatic stress disorder, EUPD, right, any disorder of emotion regulation is very intensely upset, right? Zero to 60, we can say triggered, whatever you really want to use there. Their secondary emotions have then taken over. And unfortunately, in those moments, it is so difficult, to change your attitude or just get over it or just get through it. And I think that's a lot of the message, right? I've even had people, you know, kind of concerned that that's the message that I'm giving in the podcast is that, yeah, BPD is no big deal. You should totally just get over it. No, folks, I do not mean that. I don't definitely don't think that at all. You know, I think what it is more so is that most people have a primary emotion, which is adaptive to the, to the situation. So let's say, for example, Um, I'm upset because um, Jay wants to go, gosh, I can't, I have to think of an example from the past. I'm thinking on the fly here. (laughs) So let's say in the past, I would get upset because Jay would want to go and do something without me. Maybe it was something with his friends or, you know, maybe it was an activity that I didn't particularly enjoy that wasn't part of my, my hobbies or things I like to do. And so when he would tell me, hey, I'm going to go do this, my primary emotional response would be or reaction would be disappointment. Oh, yeah, that's a bummer. And then if I would have stayed there, I could have processed my disappointment. 
and then I could have engaged in solution-focused thinking. I could have expressed my disappointment. I could have thought of something I could do while he was doing his thing. I could have communicated with him. I could have kind of communicated to get my needs met, maybe asked some questions. All of those would have been positive behaviors with positive outcomes. Because even if he didn't want to then go ahead and meet my need or stay home or what have you, I would still have been heard and I would have gotten a supportive response because I would have been giving in my energy positivity, communication, encouragement, support, and safety. But unfortunately in the past, and if you hear some panting in the background, that is my dog. We just came in from outside. Um, but so in, in the past, I would have a secondary emotion because disappointment and solutions was kind of outside of my wheelhouse. I was learned, you know, I learned, excuse me, as at a very young age to focus primarily on that secondary emotional state and I would stay there. So I would feel intense shame, intense rage, intense anxiety, sometimes all of those and other times you know, perhaps one of those. And I would, my brain would start to go there. Like, how could you do this to me? You don't love me as much as I love you. You don't spend enough time with me. If you really love me, you'd be with me every day. And then unfortunately, I would be stuck because I'd be so dysregulated that the disappointment that I've felt, which is pretty normal, right? Quote unquote normal, what have you. I mean, I, I, I didn't feel that. I skipped right over that. And every experience I had ever had of being left was pulled into the moment, that present moment. And all I could focus on was problems. I had a fight, flight, or freeze response. And then I would have negative behaviors, maybe a tantrum or an episode or some repeated calling or repeated texting. And that always led to a shame spiral, abandonment spiral, rejection spiral, right? Let's, you know, think of another example. Let's say that you are, hmm, let's see. Let's say that you are dating someone new. And as you're dating this new person, you're waiting for them to text you back, right? Because, you know, the, the entire beginning of the relationship, maybe the first few weeks or the first month or so, this person is like, good morning every day, heart emoji. Good morning, heart emoji. Good morning. Oh, you're so great. You're so wonderful. I really love spending time with you. And then, you know, a little bit down the road, they got to go to work. And there's an issue that they face at work. So they're there and their time is being taken up. And you say, hey, you know, happy Wednesday, happy Thursday. I, I hope you're having a great day. Crickets, right? No response. So your initial emotional reaction could be a little anxiety because you're like, oh, gosh, this is new. Do they still like me? And then if you were to just stay there, right? Because we've done work on turning that volume button down, turning that intensity down, changing your physical state. You identified what you were feeling. You labeled it. Then you were trained and taught to look for a solution. You could hold that anxiety and then also start to come up with other solutions. You could think to yourself, well, I mean, it is unrealistic for this person to text me back immediately for, you know, the duration of our time spent together because they do have to live their own lives. And so I'll just wait and give this person space. 
You can think of all the other possibilities aside from them wanting to leave you or not liking you anymore. Maybe they're busy. Maybe their phone died. Maybe they left their phone at home for the day, right? Not jumping right to that worst case scenario in that catastrophic thinking pattern. And then you would have a positive behavior and a positive outcome, right? Positive behavior would be you wouldn't overtext. You would be able to go and focus on you and then you would get a reply or a response. Now, in this scenario, some people could say, but what if they really didn't like me because I haven't been dating them for that long? Well, to me, that's still a positive outcome because love and like and relationships, remember, they're based on choice. They're based on free will. So you want to be with somebody or someone who chooses you and early on, If that's the case, that's a positive outcome for you because you can then move on. You don't have to waste the time to continue to dig into a relationship with somebody who isn't as invested as you are. And it becomes clear. You don't have to guess or assume. Okay? So positive behavior, positive outcome. But maybe you have trauma, developmental trauma. And so immediately your secondary emotions come in, rush in and take over and You start having that intense shame and anxiety and you're like, oh, they definitely don't want to be with me anymore. They don't like me. What do I have to offer? I'm not even a good person. I'm a failure. Look again. I failed at this again. I'm not even worthy. I'm horrible. I suck. Like, look at me. I'm a mess. I'm crazy. I'm. There's no way. And you get stuck in problem-focused thinking because the primary emotion, which is a very valid emotional response for the present moment, right? All of your emotions are valid. The primary emotion is the one we really want though because it takes into consideration what's happening in the current moment, right? So that allows you to see things, see the truth more clearly. But when you go to the I'm not worthy and I'm a failure and they clearly don't like me and, you know, kind of on and on, all you're seeing is problems. So then what do you do, right? Well, I mean, there's probably only one solution or two maybe, right? Black and white. So I either um, repeatedly call or text or just start, you know, with the whole rejection abandonment spiral behavior or I could probably block them and delete them, right? So delete their number, block them on everything. We're done. It's over. I can't believe this, right? And then we have a negative behavior, negative outcome, because let's say this person is like, hey, I tried to text you. Like, am I blocked? Did you block me? (sighs) Well, I was just, I just left my phone at home. What happened? Do you not like me anymore? So now the other person's hurt and confused. And maybe they actually do end up not wanting to be with you because, right? Or another negative outcome is that you start blowing them up. Like, what did I do wrong? Do you still like me? But then it's like, well, the other person, you have a negative outcome because the other person is like, well, yeah, I I do. Of course I do. Nothing changed. Nothing changed except your secondary emotions are a wet blanket over your primary emotions and you haven't learned to regulate your emotions. So remember, if you want to regulate your emotions, you have got to change your physical state, right? You have to. Why? Because it's a biological phenomena. You cannot have a, an activated sympathetic nervous system and parasympathetic nervous system at the same time. And so if you are in your fight, flight, or freeze response in that 
sympathetic nervous system response. One way to shut that off is to change your physical state. It's the best way because it begins to activate your parasympathetic nervous system response, which slows down your heart rate and it slows down your breathing, right? And so then you can start doing things like taking opposite action, yeah? And then pulling apart those primary emotions from those secondary emotions, yeah? And now all of these things can feel very invalidating. I know that when I was going through this recovery work a long time ago and I had therapists and I was kind of in treatment, I remember, you know, them trying to teach this to me and it was like, what? What do you mean? He's definitely going to leave me. My shame is real. Don't tell me how to feel. You can't tell me what to believe. You can't tell me. And I would get very, very intense just at the mention of the thought that I had a primary emotion and a secondary emotion. So I was my own obstacle in recovery. So I challenge you today to not be your own obstacle in recovery. Now, of course, your secondary emotions are valid because you are feeling them. So they're real. The stories that they create, the problems that those stories create, the behaviors that you engage in because you believe the stories are real, they produce negative outcomes. And so in order to get to recovery, you have to do things you don't want to do. That's what makes this so hard. That's what makes this podcast difficult for some people to digest because the mere suggestion that you have to do something uncomfortable is hard to hear. But recovery work is very difficult, folks. It is a a temporary pain for a long-term gain is how I like to see it, how I like to say it, right? I knew that I didn't want to live forever having this, this secondary emotional reaction that was so intense that it felt like I couldn't breathe, Right? I had, I think I told you guys this before, but I had a favorite song by uh, Dashboard Confessional. It was actually kind of one of the later stuff. And the song, he just starts, he's like playing his guitar and he's like yelling. He's like, um, remember she said, just breathe. And it was like my favorite line of a song, just breathe. Because I remember feeling like I couldn't breathe. I couldn't get out from underneath the weight of the intense pressure of my emotions. It felt physically awful. So I see you, if you're out there and you feel that pain, that weight, that feeling like the only way to get out of it is to fight or to run away or to freeze up. There is another way. And it doesn't negate the fact that you have trauma and pain. If you turn that dial off, it does not do that. It allows you the space to think and to choose and to be an active participant in your life and in your recovery. But you have to trust that it will get better. You have to trust it. So if you don't believe that there's another way through emotion regulation, look it up. Go research it. Can you have a, an active or activated sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system response at the same time? Does your parasympathetic nervous system response slow down your heart rate and your breathing? 
what is the mammalian diving reflex? Does it work? Yeah. Now remember, key point here, very, very key, because this is one of the biggest complaints people will tell me, and I felt it too. Be like, well, I did that. I did change my, my emotional state or my physical state. And it did take the edge off of my emotions, but then the thoughts keep coming back. I know. And there's definitely more to it than that. But you got to start somewhere. Because your brain goes right into that survival mode. There's something called the triune model. It talks about how when people have developmental trauma, they get stuck in this um, mammalian brain or this limbic system and they have this automatic uh, sympathetic nervous system response. So we have to turn that off, right? And then once you're able to turn that off, then we can start talking about, okay, well, I turned it off. What do I do now? The thoughts are coming. And now I'm just spend my entire life in the shower. And no, that's not the case at all there's definitely more to it so i want you to take this leap take this step label your emotions identify your emotions write down primary emotion solution focused thinking positive behavior positive outcome negative behavior that goes along with your secondary emotions so we have secondary emotions problem focused thinking negative behavior negative outcome right and understand that though those feelings are valid because they are real and you are feeling them, they are too intense and they have to be turned down so that you can prevent more shame spirals and more rejection spirals and more of the same pain. There's an end to the pain. I promise you, I'm living it. There's an end. It's not automatic. Not going to happen overnight. It's very difficult, but there's an end. And that, that is something to look forward to. That is hopeful. All right, everybody. Well, thanks so much for listening and tune in next week for another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. All right, it's time. So the fall marks the next eight-week coaching group. Remember that this is a coaching group that I am running. It is not a therapy group or a counseling group, and it's not a replacement for that. Mindset coaching is goal-oriented. It's future-focused. It's designed for everyone to be on the same team working together towards a common goal. It is an eight-week group, and it starts on Friday, September 30th. You can find out more information on our website at skeetersstrength.com. Click on support groups, and you can read about every topic that we're going to be going over. We're going to talk about emotion regulation. We're going to talk about nutrition. We're going to talk about safety and containment and mentalizing and all the things so go ahead on and check that out fill in that group coping coaching application and if you've already filled one out you will be contacted by someone on our team soon all right everybody I'll see you next time okay thanks for listening that was From Borderline to Beautiful, a production of Skeeter's Strength Mindset Coaching Systems. We help frustrated individuals, resentful couples, and disconnected families navigate through tough times. Visit us on the web at skeetersstrength.com. 
If you like this show, remember, you can hear it on Anchor or Apple Podcasts or Pocket Cast or any app you use to listen to podcasts. Subscribe to get a new episode every Monday. If you want to get in touch, you can leave me a voice message. Some of you had some comments and questions from last episode, so let's hear them. I'd love to hear whatever questions you have too. Just download that Anchor mobile app, search for From Borderline to Beautiful, and tap the message button to send me a voice message. So, if you like this podcast, not only can you download that Anchor app, but you can help us get this message out to so many more people. Head over to Apple and offer us that five-star rating and let me know what you're thinking about some of our material. The more stars and higher rating we get, the more people will have access to From Borderline to Beautiful, hope and help for individuals with BPD.